Well, it's always a good day when you got a recruiting update. Plus, what exactly, what exactly does it take for the Cincinnati Bearcats to win in the Big 12? Plus, is Travis Kelsey a villain? You are Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's do this. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. It's free and available wherever you listen to podcasts, including right here on YouTube. So don't forget to hit the subscribe button and follow us to get an alert every time that we drop a new episode. My name is Alex Frank, your host each and every day here on Lockdown Bearcats. It's part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, June 28th. That means what? We are three days away from the Bearcats being members of the Big 12. Russ Heldman is here, my colleague from All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, with some news to get to, and it involves some news on the recruiting front. Russ, take it away. So uh, we'll start off with uh, the great update from Bearcats uh, SID Zach Stipe, who kind of dropped a little bit of a dark horse nugget on us here, Alex, right before we started recording uh, former Houston commit as of, I think, late December 2022, Jalen Hunt, defensive tackle, is no longer with Houston. I don't know if he ever even went to spring camp or spring football with them. Uh, formerly of Michigan State over the past three to four years and now a part of the Bearcats' latest hall of transfers. Defensive tackle, redshirt senior. So because he came in right before the COVID stuff all came down. He does have this season and next season of eligibility remaining. I'm pretty sure, almost positive on that. Played in 23 games, five starts from 2020 to 2022. 19 tackles, two tackles for loss. Uh, missed five games last year, unfortunately, but can play defensive end, can can line up uh, kind of all over the line a little bit. And it's a little bit more, a little bit of a versatile piece added to the biggest strength of this Bearcats team, I would say, which is that defensive front seven gives them a little bit more experience, I'd say, Alex. They were a little bit thin in terms of experience behind guys like Corleone, Ban, Eric Malik Ban, Eric Phillips, Juwan Briggs. They were a little bit thin there. So I think it's a good depth piece, a guy who's played high in the highest level of football, second highest level of football in the country, I would say, in terms of the Big Ten competition, three-year letter winner. At, uh, at Michigan State, five starts, as I mentioned, uh, had three at defensive end last year in 2022. Not going to really wow people with the in, the underlying metrics. When you look at PFF grading, had a 59.7 overall defensive grade last season, was a just a pretty poor tackler in two games that really dinged him. But other than that, was above or near the 70 uh, Mark Mendoza line across the five games or seven games that he appeared in with uh, with Michigan State last year. 59.7 grade in 2022 20, overall, 61.9 in 21, and 60.8 in 2020. So not necessarily going to come in and, and take a starting spot from Jawan Briggs or Dante Corleone or Malik Van or anything like that, but I think a solid depth piece at that and a guy that uh, – I'll get your thoughts on it real quick, but until before we get to the recruiting – but an interesting kind of late addition. I was scrolling through all the names. I was like, yep, wrote about him, wrote about him, wrote about him. I've not seen Jalen Hunt. So I texted you about that right before the show. I was like, this is a little bit of a surprise and a fun little uh, show starter to get us going here get- uh, in the middle of the dog days of summer. 
You get anybody from the Big Ten, anybody to create more depth at your best position, which is the defensive line, I'll, I'll gladly take it. This defensive line is still going to be the strength of this, not only the defense, but the entire team. And you never know, Russ, if Dante Corleone is going to leave after this year. And right. I, I think not only is this season one of the more important season in Bearcats, seasons in Bearcats football history, but I think the second year in the Big 12, because your first year, it's not going to really dictate the direction in which you're going. Because if the Bearcats are good, it's like, well, we thought that. If they're not very good, it's like, well, we also thought that. I should say if they're good, it's because we hope they would be. But your second season, I think, typically is going to set the direction more for where this program is going to go. So by looking at it that way, if Dante Corleone were to leave, Juwan Briggs is entering, I think, year six, if I'm not mistaken, or year five of his Final career. Final year of yeah. Yeah, Malik Van's entering year six. So you're going to be losing some guys. So why not add to that class? And you got to be prepared for when those guys make the move to the NFL draft. If Dante Corleone leaves early, which I think he could after this year, you want to yeah, make I'm, sure. I'm, I'm a little confused at that right now because I've been pouring through some of the PFF numbers over the past week or so, just getting some offseason articles ready. And it says on PFF he's draft eligible year is 2025, but he's a redshirt sophomore this year so redshirt sophomores having logged three years in a college program can't redshirt sophomores are allowed to leave aren't they i thought they were i would not know the answer to that but what i do know i mean if you get one more year of dante corleone that there's nothing wrong with yeah, that nobody's right? gonna be arguing with it it was that was a, i was like i did a double take at that i was like i thought he could leave after this year as a redshirt sophomore because drake may who's yeah. being talked about like a one of the top quarterbacks in the in the draft coming up. He's a red. He's either a, a true sophomore or a redshirt sophomore right now. So, very interesting. Very and interesting. I haven't I haven't heard. Uh, well, I have heard rather that you know I had Max Chadwick on from Pro Football Focus two weeks ago, and he basically said that he was talking about Dante Corleone going pro after this year. So from what right. I from what I remember about that conversation, so that would be surprising to me. If maybe it's just does, a glitch in the PFF system. That might be it. Because I'm yeah, almost maybe. I'm almost positive redshirt sophomores can leave after three years in a college program. That's all you have to log three years. You don't have to have log two years of playing time. I just think too, it, the the continuation of Scott Satterfield as a recruiter is so masterful, isn't it? We're about to get there. I mean. At some point, and it's a, this is a great transition right now. I think the, the the recruiting hall in terms of transfers was solid, especially when you pick up a guy in Xavier Henderson, who I think is going to she should shoot up the depth chart to be the number one receiving option in my eyes, given his talent and his production in the toughest conference in America in the SEC over the past couple of years. And so when you when you look at it in that sense, him being kind of the the bell of the ball of this class, it really looks pretty solid. You get another SEC. Um, player in DeAndre Buford, who should be a nice competition at one of those tackle spots during fall camp. Didn't necessarily play great, like we kind of mentioned over, uh, I think it was a little over a month ago on on one of our shows. But gives you gives you a nice, nice other option there. Jalen Hunt, another power five option. Deion Hunter played really played pretty well at, at New Mexico. Aaron Turner, the wide receiver from UConn, whose name I can never remember whenever I'm talking about the kind of revamp receiving room. He was a solid slot option for the UConn Huskies last year um, and, and has over 90 catches in 25 games for UConn. So I think overall the transfer hall has been pretty solid, but I, 
when I look at this recruiting class, and we can get into it right now, kind of give some updates. Over the past kind of 10 days or so, there's been three or four more commits, five total from Georgia, four total now from Ohio. And looking at that Ohio number, just got boistered by Jacorion Caffey out of uh, out of Avon High School, three-star recruit, 85.5 rating on 24-7 sports. Alex, they, they lose their lone four-star commitment in this class in Quay Birdsong. And when I look at the overall rank of 37 nationally, to me, on 247sports.com, to me, that is more of a product of 15 hard commits and the volume of commits rather than the quality of commits. And I, and at some point, it might not be this year, and I'm not going to hold the feet to the fire of the recruiting staff that's just starting, just getting their their mantra out there of a, of a coaching staff that's just starting, just trying to get their feet wet in Big 12. But eventually, and most likely starting in 2025, there needs to be, to be at the top of the Big 12, which is how this athletic department is investing with the new uh, practice facility going in, with all the money in this city that's going into UC athletics and specifically UC football, there has to be four-star talent that comes in here on a consistent basis. And it can't just be one four-star leading the entire class. Maybe they end up getting Samaj Jones, four-star quarterback, and he he can be your kind of marquee guy this year. But just there hasn't been as many kind of top seven, top fives, top tens, top twelves for four-star talents. And there hasn't been any more four-star commitments out of Quay Birdsong. And that is, I think, a justifiable trepidation for the fan base right now that knows it is statistically a fact that you cannot win at the highest level of the power five without multiple four plus five-star talents on your roster hitting on those recruits and getting them to make plays once they hit their sophomore, junior, senior season. You're just you're only as good as your recruiting class and more so nowadays, only as good as your transfer class as well. But the bread and butter and still the lifeblood of high-level college football, power five college football championship winning mentality and methods comes down to the type of stars and the number of stars you bring in in your recruiting class. I wish that you could rely on developing three stars into Ahmad Sauce Gardner level talents consistently, but it's just not feasible in a league as good as the Big 12, one of the top three football leagues in the country. And, and right up there, I would say with the Big 10, you can make an argument that they're kind of neck and neck now with the depth that the Big 12 has coming in. Yeah. All good stuff. All very good stuff. So in addition to the trepidations when it comes to recruiting, and I, I get it, there are some. Is there pressure on the football program to win in year one heading into the Big 12, especially after what the Reds just did with 12 straight wins? We'll get into that next here on Lockdown Bearcats. Today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash lockdown to join today. So don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash lockdown to sign up. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you again for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen every day for everyday listeners on tomorrow's show. Rivalries that could be formed in the Big 12. And if any, are going to be like Bengals Chiefs. How that rivalry is in the city of Cincinnati. We celebrate the everyday listener on this show. We want to make the everydayer a cool thing to be. The truest fan is the everydayer. You never miss an episode. You're always our first listen every day. We reward you. So jump in on the conversation. We're going to have some very, very fun ways to communicate during the season. That's all I'm going to say right now. Everydayers, we have a community. We reference back previous episodes. We tease ahead to future episodes. We get engagement on social media and YouTube. So we thank you very much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every single day. Russ Eltman, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, a very loyal listener, contributor to Lockdown Bearcats. And Russ, I, I mean, first off, this, this is like the first, I think it's the first time I've ever seen you wear a hat on this episode. Typically, I wear a hat every day on this show. If you, if and it is. I think that this is the first. I'm not a huge hat guy, but been a little busy lately. Haven't been. I haven't been able to uh, get the hair the way I wanted to for uh, for showbiz purposes. So wow. when in doubt, it's the nice thing about being wow. a guy, Alex. You can just when in doubt, throw a hat on. I guess ladies can do that too. But uh, yeah, but everybody, everybody can win in uh, doubt. Your hair's not working well. Ladies throwing in the ponytail. Dudes, just throw the hat on. Uh, uh, unfortunately, Lockdown Bearcats is not quite rich enough to provide hairstylists and makeup <laughs> artists for um, people like yeah. The you on-site makeup team is late right now, Alex. What are we doing here? I need that. I, I, yeah, I, they're slacking. I mean, they're on their summer vacation. They might already be on your cruise in the Mediterranean. So <laughs> there you go. There's there's that for you. Um, anyway, so we both have Reds hats on. If you're watching on YouTube, Russ, how much fun? How much fun was that 12 game winning streak? Particularly. How much fun was Friday night against the, against the Braves? I was there. It was. I'll be one of those. You people. were there. I was there. It's like wow. the ice bowl in nineteen in the nineteen sixties when the wow. I think the Bengals played the Chargers or something, and it was like negative. Oh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, if James Rapine is listening to this, God, he's probably rolling his eyes right now. And no offense to you, Russ. So the Bengals Chargers was called the Freezer Bowl. The Freezer Bowl, whatever. Same freezer thing. Bowl. It was cold. My grandparents were there. My grandparents were there. We had there three guys season tickets for the first season. <laughs> The ice bowl, the ice bowl was Cowboys Packers back in 1967. No, was go. it was it 67? Well, now I'm blanking. Oh boy. See, we can't keep them straight. The freezer, the ice, the the, the, well, the ice cube bowl, they're all blended together. But that nice. was the Ellie De La Cruz game on Friday, and I will never yes. forget that one for sure. It was Where were the your second best individual. Uh I, we set that 535, so kind of one or two sections over from on the right field line. Okay. So Those I got a great seats. view yeah. of, uh, of, of Ellie's home run, of Joey Votto's home run, two home runs. All three of them kind of went in the same spot there yep. in the right field. Uh, right field sections. Yeah, and Fraley's. They were all kind of in 
blasted out the right field. 11 to 10 win for the Reds. That was so, so cool. And I would say it was the second best individual performance by a player when Ellie De La Cruz uh, hit for the cycle. Perfect, by the way. Perfect run to the cycle. Went four for four to start. Yeah. Ended up going four for five. Had a stolen base as well. I still haven't looked this up, but I'd love to know how many people in baseball history have hit for the cycle and stolen a base in the same game. And then Alex, Ooh. after that triple, he was, what, a half second, four, four tenths of a second away from stealing home, which I have never yeah. seen done live, let alone I've never seen a cycle. My buddy and I, who I went to the game with, we were like, if he hits a triple right here, he's going to hit for the cycle. And Alex, he puts that baseball in one of, what, four spots in that in that hitter's park, which is a little bit yeah. more condensed, so pe- so outfielders can get the things a little bit faster. There's like split the, the gaps. Yeah, there's the split the gap on either side of the center fielder, and there's the down the line triple. Those are the only four scenarios that he could have played out to get that cycled. He does it first red since Eric Davis in 1989 to pull it off. The youngest player since 1972 to hit for the cycle. Less than three weeks into his career, it was. Unbelievable electricidad, as uh, as Ellie De La Cruz would say. The uh, standing ovation everybody gave him when he was standing on third base was so awesome. And yeah, it's a it's a fun time to be a Reds fan. Not fun time to be a Reds fan watching their pitching. So we'll see if they well, can make a move yes. on that front for sure. But it was the second best individual sporting performance I've ever seen with my own two eyes, just behind Von Miller's two sack fumble performance in Super Bowl Fifty. And I would say Von only eclipses Ellie because. Well, live. You were there. The, yeah, I was in in uh, Santa Clara for that game, watching it live. And they they they're just the magnitude and the stage that he Miller did it on is the only reason it eclipses Ellie Daly yeah. Cruz, who obviously did it. And I was going to ask game. you. I was going to ask you what the what, what the best performance that you've seen live. I know. No, I, knew I, it, I was teasing it. I had to give it get it out there at the end. See, of that it, and see, this is why this is why viewers like when we're on the show because yeah, this is a Bearcats podcast. But let's be honest, we're in the dog days of the off season. That's why I told I told our listeners yesterday. Yeah, I'm going to talk about you know other things in Cincinnati right now for you know, maybe a few minutes. And I'll say right. this. like I was just listening to the athletic football show and they did a five minute, 10 minute segment on condiments. Their number, their top condiments that they like. That's it's a like, good show. It's a free for all right now. That's a really good show. Oh, if yeah. you want to check this out after you listen to your lockdown sports podcasts. So what's interesting, Russ, I'll, I'll just add this. I'm watching the game here in my apartment. I was at the game on Saturday, which was also really good. Not night, Friday yeah, night, were, but that was a good one for sure. The weather was fantastic though. It was fantastic. And I'll say this. When Ellie hit the ball in the gap, I said to myself, this could be it. Because you know he's going to run. He's going to go for I mean, it, right? Yeah, yeah, he's going to go for it. And, I, and and it just, the winning streak, what it did. Jason Williams, our good friend from the Cincinnati Enquirer, put it best Saturday night on uh, his late night show on 700 WLW. He said that the winning streak recaptured a lot of Reds fans. I'm one of them. And particularly the younger generation. Because look at what the Bengals did two years ago. Bringing in a young generation of fans. And the Reds could be doing the same thing. And I said this yesterday. The forced connection that is within this city right now between the the Bengals, the the Reds, FC Cincinnati, tough loss on Saturday, not going to derail their season. They're still number one in some power rankings I looked at earlier today. They're we're missing a lot of players on Saturday. FC was yeah, they were. tough, they're tough vibes with the international break right now, for sure. Well, they're missing a lot in their win last week over um, who they played last week. Toronto. Toronto, they're yeah. They're missing no. a bunch of players then. But what I'm saying, Russ, and the Bearcats are a part of this. 
the forged connection between all these teams in this city. It's unlike any other time I've experienced in my lifetime. Is, is it that way for you? It is, for sure. And, and now, obviously, there's a big zero next to the championship tally for all of those franchises, every one all of right. them, except for the UC Bearcats, who have won multiple conference championships. And I would count those as championships and not you don't have to get to the college football playoff and win the whole thing for me to count as a championship. Those need to be celebrated in the sport of college football. And I think whenever the Bearcats do win a football Big 12 championship, it will and should be justifiably celebrated like that. Not necessarily a parade or anything like that, but the fan base and the city in general will get very excited about it. The thing for me is, can these kind of this momentum carry any of these franchises to this city's first championship in the 2000s? The city has not really experienced yeah. A parade. They haven't experienced a Denver Nuggets S parade, like or a Denver Sports S parade. Denver's won, I think, three or four titles in major sports over the past ten years. When you factor in the Broncos, the Avalanche, uh, the the Nuggets, there you go. All three of them have won uh, yeah. major titles in their respective sports. So it's a lot of fun, and it's it was so much fun experiencing this Reds winning streak. But what are they going to do? As of as of when we're recording this right now, they've dropped three in a row. The, the pitching has, has melted down a bit. No one's going to care about that 12-game winning streak, unfortunately, if the Reds end up back in the basement of the NL, ML, or the NL Central, which is very tight right now, once we get to the end of July or the end of August. You have to keep the momentum rolling, and it's a good segue into the Bearcats side of this thing because they kind of let the momentum slip away a little bit at the end of the Luke Fickle era. You go 9-3. and three, you get absolutely – I mean, it was an embarrassment in the bowl game. It was an embarrassment in terms of – Did you even watch it? No, I, I couldn't really even watch it. I was covering Bearcats okay. basketball, and they had a game the same day. And luckily, it was the, the game on, on the Jumbotron in Fifth Third Arena, so I was able to tune in there. But I, it was kind of a th- – it, it was sad because that bowl game became a throwaway event for Bearcats fans. It wasn't something that anyone was really looking forward to, and – the momentum has slightly slipped away a little bit for this program and kind of gone towards the Bearcats basketball team. When you think about who is jockeying for most interesting uh, sport right now that the Bearcats athletic programs are offering. So can Scott Satterfield pick the momentum back up? Can you get off to a solid start? Can you go into Pittsburgh and pull off an upset against a team that I would say, Alex, is very comparable talent-wise overall returning just roster to roster down the line in the Pitt Panthers. Now they have the Pat Narduzzi um, continuity to lean on in terms of the the, uh, returning staff, obviously, and Cincinnati doesn't have that. But can you pick up that momentum? Can you get it back rolling again for a team that just had a 30-plus game home win streak get snapped in an opportunity, a scenario where if they win that game, they're able to put up three straight AAC titles going out the door, and that just didn't happen. I mentioned that as, as, as a winning streak yesterday, 33 straight home wins. And whether or not you think it's all that impressive, and I, I think a majority of the fan base would tell you it is. I mean, look, they, they didn't play the best caliber of teams. But I think about a lot of games that they did play that they won. Russ, I don't mean to um, put this where it hurts, but 2018 against your OU Bobcats down 21 nothing and that was at a time yep. where you the bearcats weren't established yet you didn't really know what to think what was going to be under luke fickle in year 2 
And then I think about the UCF game in 2019. I think about the conference title game in 2020 against Tulsa. I think about, Russ, we talk about home field advantage. But that unique year where you didn't play in front of fans and you had to create your own energy, and they did. They won every home game prior to the championship game by double digits. That's pretty dang impressive when you consider the circumstances they were playing under and the pressure that was mounting as they rose higher and higher in the rankings. And I think about 21, when they beat Houston in that championship game, right after you joined all Bearcats with James, and I'm down on the field working with ABC, and I'll never forget the scene that unfolded on the field after the game. And so I think about, Russ, I I do reference this. And I know I'm running long here in this segment, but that's okay. This is a fun show. So the dog days of summer. So we're going to, we're going to roll with it. So when I was at the day one tour, Russ in Columbus, yeah. one thing I took away and Scott Satterfield talked about this, how much he was drawn to the program's winning tradition. And I asked him, do you feel pressure to continue that? And he said, absolutely. Because he understands that the football program has made, made a bowl game 19 times in the last 26 years. He understands. Right. And, and Wes Miller understands this completely. You, you I mean, you're seeing this with every move that has been made this offseason and with every move that has been made in recruiting. You're seeing that there is a winning tradition here with these programs. And you're seeing what the Bengals have done and, you know, taking over the city. And you're seeing what the Reds, when they're good, how much the city buys in on a daily basis in the, in the summer where that's the only entity going on in Cincinnati. And well, FC, FC Cincinnati too. But... If the Bearcats can recapture that winning tradition, you're going to be talking about a year-round city that wins. How much fun would that be? It'd be unheard of around here. Like as we mentioned, it's just it it hasn't. It's been a little bit of a desert in terms of professional and college sports success outside of obviously uh, the Bearcats' AAC run, which they've always kind of been looked at as the little brother. You're looked at as the little brother a little bit as opposed to kind of the the behemoth that they were in the AAC. And you referenced that 2021 scene after that Houston game. That's the closest we've really gotten to a parade in this city was the team, was the fans storming the field and, uh, and celebrating by uh, lifting up the old Bearcat mascot and all that stuff and him flying the flag, all that fun stuff. So it's, it's a very fun scenario to think about. And it's one that, with the entrance to the Big 12, with the added finances, with the revenue sharing that's about to happen from the TV side of things and also all of the things that Brett Yormark is cooking up, sky's the limit as long as these hires that seem pretty solid so far from Scott Satterfield and below and his staff can hit on and continue this train rolling down the tracks that I wouldn't say is derailed from a 9-3 and season last year. But it has been knocked off course just a little bit. I don't know what the uh, the term's called, but we, you want to get those train track breakers diverting the train back to the right a little bit as opposed to staying down this left path. I agree with that. And I, I think what's so – I remember 2021. The Bearcats go to the college football playoff, and we thought that was surreal enough because you never thought you'd see a group of five team go to the college football playoff, let alone the Cincinnati Bearcats – who were irrelevant just four years ago. And and then all of a sudden, six weeks later, the Bengals are playing in the Super Bowl. You never thought you would see it. Both teams play 
in their championships in their sports and in a city. And I, I think as a university, it's always been defined by what the basketball program has done. And it, on the professional level, all this talk of, well, it's always been a baseball town. It's certainly not now. And 2021 changed that. And I have a friend who lives in Tampa and the lightning win back-to-back Stanley cups and sandwiched in between those was a Buccaneer Super Bowl win. And oh, by the way, a Rays World Series appearance. I have a coworker right. who's from Boston. I mean, I don't even need to mention the championships they've won. So just the, I, I want there to be a point in time where there's a playoff game here and a regular season game here at the same time. And you got to figure out where the heck you're going. Yeah, as a fan. very possible. Well, I guess it, it's kind of hard for the, Timelines, I guess it would baseball wise, that's where the timelines would line up there, right? With the schedule where you got a Reds yeah. or Reds Reds playoff game in October or early November, or hopefully early November for uh yeah. for uh for World Series hopes. You know. But then you also gotta weigh that against the Bearcats game if it's on a Saturday or a potentially an FC Cincinnati playoff game in that time of the, that time of the calendar. Uh, when we get there, we're a Bear, uh, Bengals regular season game. So, yeah, that's a problem Cincinnati sports fans would love to have on their schedule for sure. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, all right. So I, I, I find this really interesting, what we're going to get to next here on Lockdown Bearcats. and involves a former Bearcat great. And if you now view him as a villain, that next on Lockdown Bearcats. So, Russ, one thing I find really interesting with the Bengals-Chiefs rivalry, is Travis Kelsey, who is one of the rivalry's key characters, as we know, is from Cincinnati in terms of where he played college football. And yet, with the shots that he has taken at Jamar Chase, with the shot he took at Mayor Aftab Hirval on the podium of the AFC Championship Game trophy presentation, it, it raises the question in my mind, and I don't view him this way, but it raises the question if if I were to ask this to others around Cincinnati, do you now view Travis Kelsey as a villain? Well, for Bengals fans, he's obviously a villain. He's he's one of the top two villains that that is that is out there when you think about Patrick Mahomes and then Travis Kelsey at number two and just his ability to affect games, but not necessarily on the same level in the matchups against the Bengals that, as you mentioned, Jamar Chase has. But the bottom line is, Alex, it doesn't matter if Bengals fans think he's a villain. It doesn't matter at all because there's a zero next to the Bengals championship column and there's a two next to the Chiefs championship column, namely a two. Or there's more than that because they won the, one of the early Super Bowls. But there's a two next to Travis Kelsey's championship column. And when you think about it from outside of a Bengals lens, I don't think there's any Bearcats fans that look at Travis Kelsey as a villain. I think they'll view him as one of the greatest, if not the greatest products and greatest talents and greatest overall achievers that a Bearcats football program has ever produced, right up there with his brother Jason, and maybe Ahmad Sauce Gardner gets there one day. Maybe Desmond Ritter gets there one day. We never know what his NFL career could bring as he starts a starting quarterback run with the Atlanta Falcons this coming season. So in the eyes of Bearcats fans, there is, unless Travis Kelsey did something egregious, God forbid, or, and broke the law in some egregious way or like besmirched the university for some reason, which I don't see how that could happen considering they're literally partnering 
on a mental health program coming up soon. He's been wearing, he wears UC gear basically during every single public media appearance that he can, whether it's on podcast or wherever he's out in public. So he's that Cincinnati through and through diehard Cincinnati fans are diehard with him. Uh, University of Cincinnati fans, that is. And even those Bearcats that are Bengals and Bearcats fans, I think they can separate the kind of fun trash talk that Travis Kelsey brings to the table and backs up throughout each and every one of his NFL seasons and throughout his playoff runs every single time versus what he has meant to their university, to their college that they root for and all that stuff. I think it's it's awesome what Travis Kelsey is adding to this rivalry. I mean, he hasn't said anything that isn't really true. You gotta you gotta come out and back it up and you gotta figure out a way if you're the Bengals to obviously lift that Lombardi trophy one day and get your name off that 12 team list of NFL franchises that has never done it and definitely don't want to be a part of that four team list if they were to go to another Super Bowl and lose just like the uh actually it might just be three teams the Buffalo Bills, Minnesota Vikings and the Bengals would be the only three teams in NFL history to appear in four Super Bowls and not win one. Try to think if there's any other team. I wrote an article about it today. I'm almost positive. I looked it up. It's uh, Fran Tarkenton's Vikings and uh, Jim Kelly yeah. Bills are the only yep. two teams that went to four and didn't win one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to be that. Definitely. And they had generational quarterback talents leading the way during those. It just goes to show yes. it's a true team sport. It doesn't matter how great your passer is at the at the helm. I just think and and Travis is and Chad Brendel said this last season. He had a three touchdown game against the Chargers on Sunday night football. Right. Yeah. And he said that that he said that performance. And or not that performance, but how great of an ambassador that he is for the university. Because when he was drafted second round 2013, that was a big deal for the Bearcats then. This was before Sauce Gardner and Desmond Ritter came along. And as he got better and better each season, I mean, if you remember, he entered the league where your top tight ends were Jimmy Graham and Rob Gronkowski. Yep. And then Travis Kelsey became sort of that third guy, and then Kittle came along. Well, Kelsey's better than Kittle. We know that. And Travis Kelsey, when all is said and done, may be the greatest tight end ever play. Certainly may be the greatest postseason performing tight end we've ever seen. But, I mean, I think you have to decide. I mean, many Bearcat fans are also Bengal fans. So you love Travis Kelsey because he played for the Bearcats. If you're a Bengals fan, though, and I don't know if if most Bengals fans are Bearcats fans, but most Bengal fans don't like him. Yeah. So if you're, I both, would say there's more crossover for Bearcats fans that are Bengals fans than Bengals fans. That yeah. Are, that are. Also I would Bearcats say fans. the same thing. But again, Travis has the right to back up what he has said. Or yeah, to, he can talk the talk. Just say, he just went to the White House a couple weeks ago. They they just got their rings a couple weeks ago. I mean, that's what every other 31 other franchises are pursuing. Yeah, no question about and, and again, if what he said to Jamar Chase, and I won't say it on this podcast, but what he said, if you listen to what he, to how he says it, he doesn't really say it in a harsh way. If you just read it, you probably think he does. Now, right. the shot he took at Mayor Aftab Pierval, that's fine. 
And if anything, yeah, totally Travis, what are we doing? Aftab, that was a bad. Aftab admitted that it was a bad. It was a bad idea to post that video. Yeah, but I, I think it's fascinating, Travis Kelsey here in Cincinnati. How you view him? If you're a Bearcats fan, you revere him. If you're a Bengals fan, you don't obviously. But if you're also a Bearcats fan, that kind of creates some conflict for you. Yeah, and I think it's it's really cool. Nowadays, the flip side, the double-edged part of the player podcast sword that I'm kind of getting a handle on is how that is. I mean, New Heights, him and Jason Kelsey's podcast is one of the fastest growing podcasts in the world. It might be the fastest growing sports podcast over the past calendar year. They're doing massive numbers on YouTube, massive listens across podcast platforms. And you know what? You know what that leans into? It leans into more honest reaction from players like Travis Kelsey, players like Paul George, players like Pat Beverly in the NBA, all these guys that get podcasts, they now aren't going to – you're not going to move podcast numbers. You're not going to get listens if you just toe the line and give Kawhi Leonard-esque answers and give uh, – like take care of your chicken answers from Marshawn Lynch, stuff like that. So I think it's a lot of fun that we get added spice to these rivalries. I think more so nowadays with the player podcast platforms – and just all the different media outlets that are available to these guys, as opposed to maybe 15, 20 years ago with the Patriots and Colts uh, Colts rivalry, which didn't really have any spice. It was just the overall talent that was intriguing going against other overall talent. So to me, I think Travis Kelsey, keep doing you, keep, keep doing your thing. It's obviously not hurting his production on the field, and it's not hurting his love in the eyes of Bearcats fans who I would say uh, love Travis Kelsey more than they ever could in terms of the exposure he gives to that Paul brand. Yeah, no question about it. No question about that. Good stuff today. Russ, I, I want to wish you safe travels on your uh, Mediterranean excursion. Try not to eat too much because the food over there is fantastic. Oh, thank you so much, Alex. Yeah, a little two-week break off the show, and then uh, we'll be back at it kind of getting ready for fall camp. Yeah, uh, once I was, we hit the middle I was of July, just thinking about fast the- approaching. Higher ground, here we come. Trucking Higher ground and high humidity, here we come. Yes, yeah. Hopefully not too high. We've been avoiding it pretty well in terms of humidity this summer, but I will it's say bound that, to get it. It's yes. bound to. Little bit, little bit the first week, but first week of June. But this past few weeks have been fantastic when it yeah. comes to the weather. But uh, you will enjoy some great weather over in Europe. Thank you, as always, for you who make Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. Rivalries with the Bearcats on tomorrow's show. Looking forward to talking about that. Russ is on Twitter at Russ Hellman 11. I'm on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty. I'm also on Instagram, Alex Frank 9 underscore. And then email. Let me let me enunciate that better. Alex Frank 9 underscore email. Alex 3 Frank at gmail.com. And don't for uh I, I want to take a minute real quick and wish a uh, member of our Cincinnati sports community. A congratulations, Annie Sabo, giving birth to, I believe, I, I better know the gender of the baby, geez. Uh, Annie Sabo and her husband, of course, Annie Sabo, you see her on Reds Live. She just gave birth to, um, I think it's a girl from what I'm looking at, Russ, but a congratulations to the Sabos. Very happy for them. Yeah, it's tough to uh, tough to tell in those uh, those early, early uh early birth hours for sure with what the, uh, what the gender is, but yeah, big congrats to the Sabo family. Of course, Chris Sabo, a, a Reg legend in his own right. Yes. No question about 
that. Uh, Mia Sabo Roy. So there you go. There you go. Congratulations to Annie Sabo and her family. That's going to do it for us here in Lockdown Bearcats. Back tomorrow, right here on Lockdown Bearcats, three days away. Until the Bearcats are members of the Big 12. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team, every day.